This weekend, we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. And, and I just want to once again say good morning and welcome to Resurrection Sunday. My wife, Desiree, and I are so happy uh, that you are here and that you are celebrating with us. We're so grateful uh, that you would spend this special day with us. Easter is a special time, and, and I can think in my mind of all of the the Easter's that, that have come before in my life, both Desert and I were very blessed uh, to have grown up in Christian homes. We were blessed to grow up in environments where we were uh, taught about Easter, where we celebrated Easter. And, and you know, I think that sometimes when you, when, you're, when you grow up in and around something, it can be assumed uh, that you know what it's all about, right? That you, you understand what it all means. I was chatting with one of our parents on uh, on Good Friday, and we were talking about, after our Good Friday service, and we were talking about the importance for us as, as families, as Christian families, uh, to teach our children what these holidays are all about, what Easter is all about, as, as fun as Easter bunnies and Easter baskets and egg hunting and all of those things are, uh, that's really not what Easter is all about. All of those things are meant to be symbols and signs that point us to what Easter is really all about. Truth is, you can be so close to something uh, that you sort of lose sight of what its real value is. You can be so, so close to someone that you lose sight of what their real value is. It's, it's sim it's, it seems so simple sometimes, but it seems like the closer we are, the more that we experience something, we can, we can begin to question, what, why does this even really matter? Why does Easter matter? Question for you and me today is, why does Easter matter? Why is the resurrection of Jesus so important? Why do we celebrate it? Why does so much time and energy go into celebrating the resurrection of Jesus? Yes, it's an amazing story. It's a powerful and an incredible story, but why do we spend so much time thinking about it, contemplating it, and celebrating it as a community? Have you ever heard the expression, familiarity breeds contempt? Any of you ever heard that expression before? I'm afraid that for many of us, sometimes our familiarity with the story of the gospel and the story of Jesus and, and maybe even the celebration of Easter every year, maybe it's not contempt, but, but maybe we become so familiar with it and so used to rehearsing the same rituals and the same things every year that we lose sight of what Easter is all about. I believe our familiarity with the holiday of Easter has caused us to lose grip on the value of Easter and the value of what Jesus has done for us. And you may say, sure, pastor, that's, that can't be true. But friends, if we'll take a moment, we'll consider that the government of South Africa had to ban alcohol sales this weekend because they were so concerned that we as a nation would be too irresponsible to control our drunkenness on one of the most high and holy Christian holidays of the year, our government had to step in and say, no, 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 you can't have alcohol this weekend. But pastor, there's a pandemic going on. Yes, 
our government had to look at us and say, there's a pandemic going on and you're so irresponsible that we're going to take your beer and your wine and your alcohol away from you this weekend on this high and holy holiday. I feel like it's not far off for me to say this morning that, that it's possible that we have lost grip on what the value of Easter really is, of what it's all about. I understand that it's a time to celebrate with family. I understand that it's a time to maybe take a break and take a holiday. I understand all of that. But friend, can we not pause for a moment and recognize that in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, something incredible and powerful was done that changed human history. A religion that has a holy book that in that holy book says that drunkenness is sin, and yet our government has to step in and tell us we can't have alcohol because we've lost sight of what this weekend is really all about. Why does Easter matter? Why is it important? Why is Resurrection Sunday important? Well, friend, let's talk about that this morning. Let's talk about the fact that that we're struggling with alcohol to such an extent that our government has to step in over and over and over again because of fear of gender-based violence, because of fear of so much, so many problems caused by people who need something to numb themselves from their pain, their fear, and their anxiety. We live in a world that seems to be overwhelmed with the intensity of the situation that we are in with the intensity of our pain. Alcohol, drugs, pharmaceuticals, both legal and illegal, television, movies, pornography, on and on and on. It seems our lives are filled with things that are designed to cause us to disconnect and to become numb. Why? Because we are overwhelmed with despair. We need an escape. We need a holiday. We need a weekend that causes us to be able to just get away. Easter comes around every year and we say, yeah, I know the story. Okay, I'll drag myself to church. I'll, I'll go through the routine. I'll put on the bow tie. I did that especially for you guys today. But really, so what? Why does it matter? Why does Easter matter? See, this morning we have to understand, and I, I think we all do, despair causes people to lose their hope. I believe that we live in a world full of people who are trapped in despair. You may say, yeah, of course, yes, we, we, we are living in despair. Despair is a reality. Yeah, despair is there, but here's the thing. Despair existed before COVID-19. Alcoholism ex existed before COVID-19. Pornography addiction existed before COVID-19. People committing suicide by the numbers that are mind-blowing existed before COVID-19. People addicted to all kinds of drugs and all kinds of things to cause them to escape existed before COVID-19. On this Resurrection Sunday, I want you to hear the message of the gospel. I want you to hear the message of Easter. And the message of the gospel and the message of Easter is that Christ came. 
he came to resurrect not just himself, but he came to resurrect us out of our despair. I want to read to you one of the accounts found in the Gospel of Resurrection Sunday. In Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 8, the scripture says this, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words when they came back from the tomb. They told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. I love reading the gospel accounts of the story because it tells us These ladies went, they go to the tomb, and of course they find the tomb empty. I love what the angels of the Lord said to those ladies. Said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? On this Resurrection Sunday, friend, you and I have to understand that we will never find hope by looking in the wrong places. Those ladies were looking for Jesus among the dead. They had experienced, they had experienced something traumatic. They had experienced something that had caused them to lose hope. They had experienced something that had blown their world up. And even though Jesus had made a promise to them, even though he had taught them that he was going to rise again from the dead, they didn't believe it. And they had gone looking for the living among the dead. I believe many of us struggle with despair. I believe many of us live in agony and we live in pain because we are looking for our hope in all of the wrong places. We are looking for the one who gives hope among those who are hopeless. When we continue to wallow in despair, when we continue to stay in that place of brokenness, we limit and cut ourselves off from the completeness of the work of Jesus Christ. It is one thing to grieve. It is one thing to lament. But you will never find hope in stories of defeat and brokenness. You will never find hope in those places where life does not exist. The angel's message to the women on that resurrection Sunday was, you will not find the living among the dead. I'm wondering this morning, do we really know the story of Easter? Has it really internalized? Or are we like those disciples? Are we like those disciples who are looking for our answers in those places where Jesus no longer is? Are we looking for our answers in those places where he has already won the victory? Where he's already fought the battle? Where he's already conquered the enemy? Jesus had already conquered death, hell, and the grave. But the disciples went to look for him in that place where the victory had already been won. 
on this Resurrection Sunday this morning. I'm, one, I'm asking you, are you and I looking for our hope? Are we looking for our joy? Are we looking for our peace? Are we looking for resolution in the places that the Lord has already defeated? That he's already won the victory in our lives? Are we looking for our answers among the dead? Where am I keeping company? Where am I looking for the answers? I can tell you, friend, you'll never escape your bitterness as long as you're associating with other bitter people. You'll never be free. You'll never escape your brokenness as long as you're living with, as long as you're looking to answers from among broken people. You will never escape your offense as long as you're finding your solutions from other offended people. I've said this so many times, I just can't understand why we as followers of Jesus Christ turn to those who do not know him to get our answers. Why do we read their books and their magazines? Why do we go to their doctors and their psychologists? Why do we turn on their television shows? Why do we feed ourselves answers from people who are among the dead? There is no hope there. Hopelessness only begats hopelessness. Jesus was not among the dead because he had already defeated death in your life and in my life. Friend, Jesus is not in those places that he's already won the victory. He's called us out of those places. Just as he had called his disciples into newness of life, he's called you and I into newness of life. You'll never find hope by looking in the wrong place. Easter matters. Easter matters. Easter's important. Easter has value because it proved what Jesus had promised. It proved what he had already said. The angels of the Lord turned to those ladies that day and said, Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Don't you remember what Jesus said see easter matters because it validated everything he had ever taught every promise he had ever made and not just the promises that he had made in his lifetime while he was on the earth but every prophecy about him every word that god had ever spoken over humanity jesus complete victory over death and hell and the grave validated it it proved it it caused something to change throughout human history it's important for us as christians to know the words of Jesus. It's important for us to know the promises of God because every time we face a hardship, every time we face an obstacle, every time we face a challenge that it looks like is going to destroy us, there's a promise that God has spoken over our lives. There's a promise that God has spoken over humanity. There are words that have been spoken over you and because of Jesus' complete victory on the cross, you and I can believe those words and live and dwell as if they are true. 
Next week, we start a series called The Hard Sayings of Jesus. I want to encourage you to come and be a part of that series. See, it's important for you, friends. It's important for you and I, friends, to know the words of Jesus. Just like the disciples on that day in which he rose from the dead had to say, you know what? Yes, the things that he has spoken is true. And they began to reflect on his words. It's important for you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, to actually know his words. Not what Oprah says about his words. Hello? Not what Pastor Randy says about his words. I'm not comparing myself to Oprah, by the way. But what Jesus himself said. We invite you to come and be a part of this series. We're going to deal with four particular hard things that Jesus said that sometimes are difficult and hard to understand. As followers of Jesus Christ, we need to commit into our hearts. We need to have God's word written on our heart so we know what he said because what he said is true. How do I know it's true? I know it's true because he did what he said he was going to do. And here's the thing, because he did what he said he was going to do, he is going to do what he's promised he will do in your life and in my life. And for all of humanity, God will complete his perfect work. As the angel said to them, think about what he said. As the message was delivered to the disciples, as they delivered the message, he is risen. They had to reflect on all that he had said. And I'm sure their minds were racing with all of the parables, all of the teachings, even the difficult things that Jesus said. But I'm sure, I'm sure it went back all the way to the beginning of his ministry, where it all started this morning, I want us to think about that. I want us to think about what Jesus said about himself. When he began his ministry, he started with a declaration that was in fact, it was in fact a, it was in fact a, a reciting, if you will, of a messianic promise and a promise and prophecy that had been spoken about him. In Luke chapter 4, the Bible tells us that when Jesus began his earthly ministry, he went up in the synagogue and he asked them to give him a certain scroll from the book of Isaiah. And he pulled out the scroll from Isaiah and he began to read this several year old, several year, this several hundred year old prophecy to them. He began to read these words. And if you can imagine, yourself in the room that day it was almost as if there was a collective gasp in the room as this man got up and began to read this prophecy and as he read it he said these words this prophecy are being fulfilled in front of you right here right now today as Jesus was reading those words as the message came to the disciples who had been living in despair, they had been living in brokenness, they were so upset because their master, the one they had been following, had just been crucified. How could any of this be true? If I'm in so much pain and if I'm hurting so bad, how can any of this be true? And the word came to them and said, you know what? He is risen. I can almost imagine their minds going back to that time when he read from Isaiah when he read that messianic prophecy, I want to share with you from Isaiah exactly what he said. If you were here on Good Friday, you know Pastor Aaron ended our Good Friday service by also reading from the book of Isaiah, prophecies about Jesus. I want to keep reading about I want to keep reading that to you this morning. Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 3. 
This is what Jesus got up in front of the crowd and he read that day. He said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. You see, my friend, Easter is important because Easter means that hope has invaded our despair. Jesus got up. And he read from Isaiah 61 when he began his ministry. And he said, now what's going to happen is you're going to see these words fulfilled in front of your very eyes. And those people, some of those people that were there that day as he read from Isaiah 61, followed him around for three to three and a half years. And when they came to the cross, they were broken. They were in despair. They thought, oh, it's all, it's all fallen apart because this kingdom hasn't come the way we thought it was going to come but Jesus made them a promise he said I am the Messiah I am the one that the prophet Isaiah was speaking about and so on that day when the angel said to them remember what he said it had to be going through their mind oh yeah he said that he's the one that's coming to declare jubilee he's the one who's coming to restore all things in spite of what the report we may hear, the news that I'm going to listen to, the news that you have to listen to is the good news. That's why the gospel is called the good news. What does it mean, the good news? How, how can a message about a man who was completely sinless who was tried and falsely convicted and nailed to a cross and gave his life how is that good news? Well, it's good news for you and it's good news for me because it's a fulfillment of Isaiah 61. It's a fulfillment of a king, of a Messiah who would come and who would bring victory to us all. The angels on that day reminded those women, reminded those women, who is it that you're looking for? The one you are looking for is the Messiah. The one that you are looking for is the one who came to bring the season of Jubilee. This morning, friend, you and I can escape despair when we choose what report we're going to listen to. I can hear all the bad news. I can experience the bad things in life, but I choose to listen to the gospel. I choose to listen to the good news that the king of kings has brought victory to my life and to yours. Jesus said, I've come to bring freedom. You and I must choose freedom from the slavery of brokenness and bondage. Pastor, what is this jubilee that you're talking about? The year of Jubilee was a season of restoration. It was a season of joy. It was a season on the Jewish calendar after many years 
where the Lord declared that everyone that had been sold into slavery, that all land that had been sold, that every bit of it was to be restored. Jubilee was just nothing more but an echoing forward of the same concept of Sabbath. It was ultimately a day. It was ultimately the reflection of a day. Remember, six six days and on the seventh day you rest. You're not to do any work. In the year of Jubilee, they were to do no work. Why was that? Well, it proved that God was God and that he would be their provision. That he was the one who brought freedom for them. One of the principles that exist in scripture is that everything in scripture is always pointing forward to Jesus. Everything that we read in the Old Testament is a projection forward to the Messiah who would come and ultimately, from Genesis chapter 3 and 4, ultimately bring freedom for humanity from the slavery of the yoke of sin. The concept of Jubilee was a concept in which God said in the same way that on the seventh day you rest after all of these years, you're to do no work, you're to do no labor, you're simply to trust me and everything must be restored. If you were a slave, you got your freedom in the year of Jubilee. If your property had been stolen or had been sold in despair at some place, it was all returned and restored to you. Jesus, when he got up and he read Isaiah 61, when Isaiah prophesied what he was saying was this Messiah who is coming is coming to bring rest and restoration to humanity you may be here today and you may not be feeling rested at all you certainly may not be feeling restored but the reason Easter matters the reason this message is so important is because for you and I friend as followers of Jesus Christ We must understand we are free in Christ. All that was lost in all of those years was to be restored during the season of Jubilee. Easter matters because despair was defeated through the cross. Despair was defeated because Jesus rose from the dead. I love the way Isaiah 61 finishes up got to read scripture closely it says this it says they they will be called oaks of righteousness a planting of the lord for the display of his splendor notice the cleverness of this concept of the prophecy by isaiah the year in the year of jubilee you were not to plant you were not to sow or reap Why? Because in the year of Jubilee, you were supposed to eat off of the fruit of the land. In other words, what God provided. He was the one who was going to be doing the sowing so that you and I could be doing the reaping so that we could live. In other words, we were living off of the fat of the land, off of the blessing off the land, off of what God had done for us that we could not do for ourselves. So when Isaiah prophesies and says this Messiah is coming and he's fulfillment of Jubilee and as 
as a result of the work of the Messiah who releases the season of Jubilee. They will be oaks of righteousness. Why? How? Not by their own planting, not by their own work. They will do this by the planting of the Lord. In other words, in the same way in Jubilee that there's no sowing or reaping, and yet there is provision in Christ. There is provision, and not just enough provision to get by, not just weak little saplings that are going to bend and break through the storms of life, but they will be oaks of righteousness. See, friend, here's the deal. The message of Easter, the message of the gospel is that you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have a holy provision, a sacred provision, a spiritual provision that has been provided by a God who is bigger and greater. And even when we can't, even when we don't have enough, that his provision for us isn't enough to just scrape by. It isn't enough to just make it through COVID. It isn't enough to just make it through our situation or our circumstance, but that we are to be oaks of righteousness, that we're to be strong, that we are to be steady, that we are to be secure. There should be something different about us as followers of Jesus Christ when everyone else is bending and breaking under the waves and the storms of life. We are solid. The promise of Easter is that God will grow in us what we could never grow in ourselves, that he will supernaturally produce strength and sustainability in our lives, even when it seems impossible. We are strong. We are stable. We are secure in the face of despair and brokenness. In a world where people are doing everything they can to numb themselves, In a world where people are running away from their problems and running away from their circumstances. In a world where a government has to say, we're going to take away your wine and beer from you on a holiday weekend because you can't handle it. In that kind of world, the message of Easter is that God has provided for us the kind of strength and stability in which we do not need pharmaceutical help. We do not need alcohol. We don't need world. We don't need messages from gurus and other people what we need what we have is the complete work of Jesus Christ in that kind of world where everyone else who does not have hope needs everything they can to numb their hopelessness God says I have provided hope for you the message of Easter is the message that you are free That you are strong, that you are fully alive, that you're no longer a slave, that you're no longer caught in bondage, that you're no longer empty. The message of Easter is that Jesus came to proclaim the good news to the poor. You're poor no longer. He came to bind up the brokenhearted. You're brokenhearted no longer. He came to say to those in captive, you are free. He came to those who are bound in darkness. And he says, I will be the light in the darkness. I will be the hope for your hopelessness. The message of Easter, friend, is the message of a Messiah who didn't just say it, but he did it. 
And because he did it, that band of believers who had followed him around became the greatest army the world has ever known. And through torture, through torment, through persecution, through hardship, through the world literally hating them, they just continued to press on. Through being hung upside down on crosses, through being chased into holes, sought after and killed, they just kept pressing forward. Why? Because their hope was not built in this life. Their hope was not bound by their circumstances. Their joy, their joy was not found in the happiness of this existence. But as Pastor Joel said on Friday night, they had something that was greater than happiness. They had joy, something that was born out of sorrow, something that was like an oak that had supernaturally been planted to withstand the storms of life. Easter matters. It's important, friend, because the message of Easter teaches us we are strong, we are solid, and we have a hope that is greater than our circumstance. Can I pray for you this morning? Father, I thank you so much for each one of my friends who are here this morning. I thank you for the message of Easter. Lord, and I, I, I'm afraid that we've become so familiar with it. We've told the story so many times. We've heard the story so many times. We've allowed the story to be co-opted by the media and to be co-opted by those who don't even know you, that they've commercialized it and they turned it into this powerless, lifeless fairy tale. Jesus, we've allowed people who don't even know you, people who don't even have a relationship with you, we've allowed them to tell us what you think and who you are. We've allowed them to paint the pictures in our minds and even scarier in the minds of our children of who you are and what you're all about. And in that familiarity, the pearls have been cast to the swine. And this holy moment has become a mockery. And ultimately, the end result of this holy moment becoming a mockery is that we as the church, we as the body of Christ have abandoned the power of exactly what you've done for us. Instead of oaks, we've become saplings. Instead of being counterculture, we reflect the culture. Instead of being strong, we succumb. 
instead of living in freedom, we look for hope among the dead and end up hopeless ourselves. Lord, your word says that you brought freedom to us and that you make us strong and in our strength, we demonstrate your glory. Lord, I pray this morning for anyone who is here who maybe is caught in a place of hopelessness and maybe looking for answers in all the wrong places. I pray may the message of Easter this morning echo in their heart and in their minds and in their spirits that because of the work of Jesus, they are free, that your words are true, that your promises are yes and amen. And that God, you are building within us an eternal strength causes us to not just stand the test of time, but to stand the test of this moment that we're in. 